Welcome to the Easy Living Yards podcast. Here, you'll learn how to create a beautiful, eco-friendly yard so you can enjoy a beautiful space that makes our world a better place. I'm your host, Ben Hale, and I'm an ecological landscape designer in beautiful Cincinnati, Ohio. My goal is to make as many beautiful, chemical-free, purposeful landscapes in our world so we can live better while helping the world around us. We cover topics from native plants, permaculture, and ecological landscaping to organic gardening, kid-friendly playscapes, healthy outdoor play, and living with purpose. Let's jump in and create your beautiful space that makes our world a better place. Welcome to another episode of the Easy Living Yards podcast. Today is episode 107, and we're going to be talking about creating a meadow. I hope you guys are having an awesome summer this year. Uh, You know, (laughs) it's a little bit of a crazy year, right? That's the reality, right? But let's get past that, and let's just talk about the good things, okay? It's good to focus on some good stuff with all this negativity floating around these days. I hope you're happy. I hope you're healthy. I hope you're getting some good time with family. Uh, and you know, connecting digitally, taking advantage of the wonderful technology we have to connect digitally these days. And more importantly as well, getting outside and enjoying the beautiful nature around us. I hope amidst all this stuff with our global pandemic situation that you've at least been able to really kind of just slow down a bit and enjoy the natural world around us. I think that's the beauty out of all this, at least for me, is that it's really helped me to focus on just those you know, those important things that we kind of push to the side a lot of times. So anyway. Okay, guys, before we jump into today's show, I want to let you know about some awesome new services I'm offering. Easylivingyards.com slash services is where you can find more details about what I'm about to tell you about. And I'm super excited if you can't tell. And that is that Easy Living Yards is opening up the doors beyond just our membership coaching program to really kind of give you a wide array of opportunities to work with us. And when I say us, I really mean me. Okay. It's a one man shop here. (laughs) Uh, Easy living yards. I want to, I really want to help you guys in every way I can. So that's where I started with the easy living yards membership, which is basically your DIY landscaping coaching program. And and what I want to do is kind of broaden out beyond that. So In the past, I've offered some consultation services, and I kind of shut the doors on that for a while, and now I'm opening it back up, all right? So wherever you live, I offer digital services where we can connect one-on-one to talk intimately about your landscape and how we can create that positive, beautiful, lasting landscape that makes a lasting impression on the world around us and is beautiful in our eyes as well. Okay, so the consultation services are when you need specific help or you don't know where to start and you just want, you know, kind of that nudge or direction or or clarification on some things. And there's various options there to, to work, you know, on a kind of a higher level with some initial consultation or some deeper level where we kind of work through a project together. Okay. So check out the consultation services. I offer virtual consultation where we can, you know, I'll, I'll pull all the resources together. We talk over photos. We do video con- conferencing where we can, you know, actually physically walk through your landscape through your computer screen. Um, it's, it's pretty cool stuff. So um, it's awesome the tools we have at our disposal these days to, to stay connected wherever we live. Okay. I'm also offering virtual design services too. 
the cool thing about with our hyperconnected world is I can basically get almost all the resources we need to pull together pretty awesome design capabilities um, straight through the computer screen. Okay, so this is where I am, you know, I want to make wherever you are as accessible as possible to help you on your journey to create that beautiful space that makes our world a better place. Now, if you're one of those super lucky people that lives in the greater Cincinnati region, like me, um, then I'm also offering uh, in-person services as well, which is super cool. I'm super excited about this, guys, to start working with you guys that live in the greater Cincinnati region. Um, So wherever you live, if you think it's close enough, you might be, you probably are. Um, So I'm also offering uh, boots on the ground consultation services where we can walk through your landscape uh, and get an intimate feel for it uh, and discuss things on site and work through whatever challenges you're dealing with or whatever level of overwhelm you're dealing with to get you started on your way. I'm also offering full-scale design services uh, in the greater Cincinnati region. I'm super excited about this part, guys. This has been a part of my long-term vision, so I'm super excited to, to start carving out that space to work on design. Um, it's, I'm super passionate about this and, um, I can't be more excited to start working with you. So if you're interested, um, definitely go over to easylivingyards.com services to check out the various options there. As always, I will continue to keep the easy living yards membership open and will continue to be working in the easy living yards membership. Right now, I want to thank my members, Jen and Caitlin, uh, for their awesome work in the membership. Uh, And that's right, guys. I have two members, and so there's plenty of room for more of you. Um, And the cool thing is, with such a small membership, I I can give you guys super super detailed help um, and and maximize, you know, the time that we have together in the membership. It's incredibly affordable, guys. Um, So there's also a link on that on the new services page. Now, who is... (laughs) Who is who is the the right person for working with Easy Living Yards? Okay, let's get that out there. <laughs> um, if if any of these areas feel right to you, then you are the right connection because we're not just your typical mow and blow, you know, throwing a bunch of boxwoods type um, landscaper. I am super driven to provide a positive, lasting impact on the world through the landscapes we live in. And I strongly believe this is the place where we can really make a positive, lasting impact. Okay. And so I've kind of broken out my focus areas into three buckets and you've heard me talk about them on the shows here. So this is land, life, and health. Okay. So when we're talking about land, it's basically this overarching bucket of land restoration in a beautiful manner. Okay. So whether it's ecological design, native landscaping, uh, rain gardens or rainwater management systems, uh, low maintenance lawns, organic landscaping. These are my focus areas for, for stewarding the land through beautiful landscapes. Okay. Life. This is providing life and vibrance to our landscapes beyond the human aspect. So we're talking about pollinator gardens, butterfly gardens, habitat restoration, bird friendly landscaping. Okay. These are kind of just some examples of the types of work I really want to do, um, with you. And then health, very important. So this is kind of where we integrate the human element more directly. um, And that's permaculture systems and regenerative agriculture on the home scale. 
Okay, healthy food kind of ties into that, right? Healthy food production, rainwater collection um, for for either for irrigation or for drinking water, right? And so I, I don't do as much with the drinking water piece, but rainwater connection, collection is very important in our landscapes, okay? Healthy playscapes as well is really important. So this is basically healthy fostering healthy childhood through our land, okay? This is super important because healthy childhood and healthy connections to the lands for children fosters people that care about the earth and appreciate the earth and and become the future stewards of our planet. So uh, super important stuff. And I I care about all this stuff very deeply. So if you do too, then consider working with Easy Living Yards. Go over to easylivingyards.com slash services to, to find out more. Okay, enough about that. Let's just talk about the topic of today's show now. Today, we're going to be talking about creating a meadow. Why are we talking about this, right? So around here in Southern Ohio, at least, uh, you know, if you think about a meadow, you might just think of like an empty lot or something, somebody's overgrown lawn. Well, that's not exactly what a meadow is. So we're not going to be talking about that. (laughs) All right. This isn't just some, you know, abandoned space. What we're talking about is creating a beautiful space that for one takes up space. All right. It's low maintenance. It's a space filler, but more importantly than that, this is a beautiful, wonderful habitat for the creatures that, that can potentially live in your landscape. These are good creatures too. We want creatures in our landscape. Things like butterflies, things like bees that won't sting you. And, you know, birds, beautiful birds, goldfinches, um, you know, stuff like this, red-winged blackbirds, okay? This is part of creating a beautiful low-maintenance landscape. What is a meadow? Okay, well, I use the term loosely, we could call it a wild-ish space, a naturalized space, a, na- a nature-inspired space, um, a, a prairie, a mini prairie. Uh, there's a kind of a buzzword right now called pocket prairies. This is like a pocket prairie, okay? So <laughs> we're not going to get you know into semantics about what's the difference between a prairie and a meadow because practically speaking, there's not enough of a difference to worry about it unless you're a botanist. Okay. So (laughs) here we're talking about something that's going to be a beautiful low maintenance landscape. It fills space. It's going to provide beneficial habitat. We want that, right? We want our pollinators to be happy. We want them in our space to enjoy. We want some birds coming around, right? To visit. Well, this is all stuff that these creatures enjoy. All right, it provides visual and textural interest. So from an artistic standpoint, this is also valuable, okay? One other really cool thing about this, and most garden features as well, is this is an awesome way to translate wind into movement and sound. And that's really important, especially in those times of year when, when you know, the garden isn't popping with color and it's not full of, you know, these, these flamboyant colors of flowers and everything. Well, movement and sound are, and texture are awesome elements to incorporate into your landscape and yard for artistic effect, okay? And, and to really bring interest into your landscape in those months where we don't have the colors to carry us through. So, this is what I'm talking about with when I'm talking about creating a meadow. We want to bring this positive stuff into our landscape. Now, of course, we need to do this in a way that integrates well with our landscape as well as our neighborhood and the people that live around us. Quite often, you know, people go forward and try to create a naturalized space that isn't well received uh, in their neighborhood. 
and sometimes for good reason, all right? We don't want just a scrubby, you know, scrap of land that we just live unkempt. And, you know, it might have some awesome beneficial features to it from a wildlife standpoint. But the reality is we have to consider the human element. And sometimes, fortunately, sometimes, unfortunately, not only are our own human element, but the element, the human element of those around us. Let's spin this in a positive way. Think about if you're really big on, on eco landscaping, right? You want to be an evangelist to help other people appreciate this as well. Well, what we want to do is to really factor in this human element to create a beautiful space that people admire and people love and people stop and enjoy. Okay. That's the space we want to have in our yard. Okay, that's how we help people embrace this new movement of ecological landscaping and actually make this into just where it eventually becomes just the word landscaping, all right? And then everything else becomes exotic or <laughs> high-maintenance landscaping, right? So that's what we want here. Okay, so when it comes to creating meadow, really what I'm talking about, if, if I were to define it, is what we're doing is creating a space that's dominated by uh, herbaceous perennials, so wildflowers, um, as well as grasses. Okay. A lot of grasses and wildflowers or, um, native plants to our region that can grow in a mixed habitat, uh, along with grasses. Okay. So this is very similar to a prairie, right? A prairie ecosystem. Okay. And the reason we're doing this is this creates a a landscape space that for one can look very beautiful if designed uh, with intention and also provides this wonderful habitat we've been talking about. Okay. So this mixture of plants um, between grasses and herbaceous plants. And when I'm talking about herbaceous perennials, basically these are plants that the top dies back each year to the ground uh, in the colder months and then re-sprouts from the root base. Okay. Those are what herbaceous perennials are. And so we're talking about beautiful things like like your your daisy family flowers, like sunflowers. Um, well, not your annual sunflowers that you normally think of, but, but uh, black-eyed Susans. Okay, there's a good example. Um, all sorts of wonderful, beautiful plants that really provide a lot of habitat and benefit for the, those insects. And they, they look amazing. So one... There are a couple approaches to when you're designing this space. Um, in order to make it attractive, some of the things you can do. One is to, instead of just simply broadcasting a mixture of uh, wildflower seeds or meadow seeds into your space, plan it out, okay? Plan it out where you're going to have drifts and scatterings and groupings of different plants throughout, okay? This is kind of a, a, a gardening style that's really embraced in Europe, especially, um, called, uh, the new perennial design. It's not very new anymore, but basically what it is, is it's kind of taking nature and turning it in, using it as an art form in the landscape, basically. And so what we're doing here is we're, we're artistically creating a wild space. Okay. And of course I'm big on native plants, right? And so there are tons, there's just a, a wide palette of native plants that you can use in your landscape if you're living in the United States. Um, and so selecting from those, the ones that are, you know, appeal to you, have the right bloom times. Uh, and actually, that's a great segue into, <laughs> um, so you want the right bloom times that you want and that sort of thing, the right color combos. Um, and so let's talk about bloom times. If we're looking to provide habitat, the more things you have blooming throughout the year um, for a consistent 
duration throughout the year, the more insects you'll be inviting into your landscape. Beneficial insects. So these are insects that are pollinators. These are predatory insects, meaning that they they <laughs> parasitize or eat the pests in your landscape. Okay, so that's the good stuff, right? So I want to talk about uh, some common misconceptions or limitations or issues with creating a meadow. And some of these I will be upfront, guys. Some of these you just may not be able to overcome in your space, and this might not be the right design style for you. Okay, so we have to take a different approach in some situations. So let's talk about that. One, my landscape is too small. Unless you're talking about a pot on your patio, if you have a little bit of space, you can make what's called a pocket prairie, right? You can get a, a grouping of a small grouping of plants together and plant in your landscape. Now, of course, this might not be your typical, you know, wide, expansive prairie or meadow that you're talking about, but you can bring a little bit of that into your landscape, attract pollinators and beneficial insects, and have some joy and beauty in your landscape too. Okay, so. No size is too small. Unless, I guess even in a pot, you could technically, you know, plant some of these plants and, and enjoy them for what they are too. Right now outside, we have in our beautiful front landscape garden, we have some mountain mint. And this is kind of a, I'll warn you, if you decide to plant mountain mint, and like most, uh, you know, it's named because it's an aromatic plant, but it also behaves like a lot of your typical mints you might consider. If you're familiar with mints, this will run through your garden and, and kind of take up a lot of space, but it's beautiful. It's a beautiful space filler. It, it's good in those kind of like um, areas where they, they're okay to run free a little bit, right? Um, and along woodland edges or something like that. If, um, but anyway, this mountain mint is, it's right now it's just it's literally buzzing with insects flying around it. It's so active during the day and it's beautiful. And it has this beautiful, they, they're not really like true flowers. They're just these silvery leaves on the top of the plant that serve as flowers for the plant. And then, and then they have these much smaller flowers um, clustered right at the center. It's beautiful. And so something like that, you can bring in all this activity. You could plant something like a mountain mint in a pot and still enjoy this stuff. Okay. So next my HOA won't allow it. This is a tough one, guys. <laughs> HOAs are issues. I've had a whole episode on HOAs before. Um, and unfortunately with homeowners associations, it really depends on the people that are part of your homeowners association. So one, it's extra work. But I suggest if you don't want to move and you still want to do this, get on the board of your HOA. It might take time, but you can slowly encourage and convince and potentially change the minds of these people. Or better than trying to push for changing somebody else's mind, you can you can kind of just open them up, right? Expose them in good ways. Uh, provide them beneficial opportunities to experience the joy of of this type of you know ecological landscaping and, and knowing that ecological landscaping can be beautiful it's it's not synonymous with scrubby and dirty right okay or or weedy okay so working with your hoa um, make sure you really really plan your meadow garden appropriately so one of the big benefits of a meadow garden is it takes uh, it takes lawn, which is relatively dead space. It's good at growing um, <laughs> Japanese beetle grubs, but that's about it. Okay, and and so your lawn, you can convert that space into something beautiful and beneficial. 
Okay. And so making sure you're incredibly, um, careful about how you plan this space and maybe do it in a, a more traditional manner of what people might consider a mixed border, right? So you're, you're providing clumps of plantings throughout grouped plantings that are scattered across the space. So you might have a group of sunflowers here and you might have a group of, um, bergamot here and you might have, uh, and then over there as well, right? You might have some, some, uh, baptisias scattered throughout. And then you have, of course, your, your, uh, decamp, this, dec- I can never pronounce this word, decampsia grass. Okay. Different types of grasses. There we go. You have different types of grasses scattered throughout. It's kind of a, a lot of times people call them a matrix or a backbone. Okay. So, so you have this as your base template. You have these grasses scattered throughout and you can have different types of grasses scattered in drifts, right? So you have some taller, mistier grass over here, like decampsia, and then you have a lower growing, very fine mounding grass grass like like prairie drop seed throughout over here and you have them planted in mass you know and so it'll drift from one type to another and it has this beautiful flowing uh, texture throughout the design again this is a work of art right that's what landscaping is it's an art process okay and so you have your matrix of grasses then you have your grouped plantings interspersed throughout as well your various perennials that bloom at different times you might have some mountain mint as well you know scattered in different clumps or arrangements or groups right again having one type of plant here and there looks very much more naturalized or naturalistic okay and so instead if you have just random plants scattered throughout like you might get with a seed mix you more deliberately plant it so you might be plant you might be buying individual seed groups okay and spreading those in specific areas or you might have uh, plugs that you buy landscape plugs okay i'll provide some references for you guys so think about just how you design it and instead of it being a meadow you have a garden okay it's the same concept guys but it's a different approach Okay, so it allows you to have what you want and to translate it in a way that other people find it beautiful. Okay, so that's a way to get around this whole HOA piece and just about too ugly, too. Okay, so that's the other limitation or or barrier is people think this is too ugly. Well, again, design it in the way we just talked about. Be more specific, be more deliberate with the design piece up front. Do it right up front and then you'll enjoy the outcome more fully your neighbors will enjoy it more too if it's a more acceptable design or something that they don't have to stretch their imagination so far to accept it as beautiful okay so we've talked about what a meadow is right and and why we might want it in our space and we talked about some limitations and how to overcome those or or to work with those right and now let's talk about actually installing a meadow what do you actually do well First, I want you to go, well, finish the episode first, but then go back to episode 10, all the way back at the beginning when I first launched this podcast. Easy Living Yards episode 10 was how to start a new garden bed. This process is wonderful for figuring out how to establish a garden space in your landscape and to do it in a way that's appropriate for you. This is one of the few areas where I could be okay with the use of of use of something like glyphosate, uh, also known as Roundup, uh, is that one of the main branded terms uh, for the establishment phase, and then you never use it again. Okay, it's not usually what I prefer to do, but sometimes with the 
the restart process, especially if you have a space filled with uh, like a scrubby space filled with some invasive plants, sometimes it's the most effective process. However, I go through several other alternative methods you can use uh, or implement without the use of chemicals and do it effectively to start your new garden bed. Okay, so go check out that episode, easylivingyards.com slash episode 10. Um, Of course, I'll have a link in the show notes as well. So first, what we need to do is remove the existing space, whatever it is, if it's lawn, if it's, you know, degraded landscape that you just had a, you know, a contractor come in and build and it's just bare, bare dirt with some weedy patches and stuff, whatever it is, you got to remove that existing space first, start with a clean slate. So that way you don't have problems in the long term. Okay. So go check out episode 10 for those, those details. Next, we want to know our conditions. Super important. I've talked about it so often on the show, and it's super important. Okay, so we got to know our conditions. We got to know what sun exposure this space has. We got to know what type of soil we're dealing with, uh, you know, type of fertility, if you have clay or sand or silt or whatever. Um, we got to talk about, or <laughs> we got to figure out uh, what type of pH you have. We got to figure out, um, what type of moisture levels you have in your landscape. Those details you have to get ultra clear on. And of course, this differs between each. If you're talking about a project you did in your backyard and project you did in your front yard, you have to do this for each one, okay? Because your microclimate in those spaces may be very different, specifically with sun exposure and water. But it could also factor into the types of soil you have. For example, if one area was excavated when the construction was done on your home and the other area was left relatively intact. Okay. It can make a major difference. So know your soil, know your conditions, get it right the first time, because then what we're going to do is we're going to select the types of plants that will thrive in that condition. The fewer amendments we have to make to our space to get started, the better. Okay. So we want to select plants that will grow well in that space instead of trying to maintain the space to meet the conditions of the plants that we want to have in the space, if that makes sense. Guys, This, think about it from another perspective. So it's pretty much overwhelming when you're thinking about how many plants there are and what actual plants to select, right? So this is a wonderful way to narrow that down, okay? Knowing your conditions and saying, I only want the plants that fit these conditions helps make choosing those plants much easier because you're dealing with a smaller list, okay? So think about it from that perspective. Do it right the first time, and you'll be happy with the results. Okay, so we've selected our plants because we know the right conditions of our site. Now we're going to select the type of planting we're going to make. Um, this can be done independent of the other pieces. In fact, I, ex- <laughs> I probably wrote this in the wrong order. You want to know your design first, okay? How you're going to design this space, how naturalized is it going to look? How stylized is it going to be? Are we going to use more of scattered plantings or grouped plantings, right? Um, how, what's the balance between grass and herbaceous plants we use? The beautiful thing about grass, I used to kind of really not use them in design, right? But the beautiful thing about grass is they're a year round thing. They provide beautiful seasonal interest when we don't have herbaceous plants there. Okay. So throughout the winter specifically, right? Fall, winter, and early spring are when grasses shine. <laughs> they, they more like shimmer, I guess, because they'll, they'll reflect the frost. They'll move in the breeze. 
they provide activity. Okay. They bring critters into the landscape. Still, um, you leave your flowers up with their seed heads on them too. You'll be bringing in birds that will thank you for those plants that you've left in the landscape. Okay. So know your design style and then go through the other processes of getting started, right? Knowing your plants, uh, and then getting started on, uh, getting started on the actual, um, lawn repair removal process right so sometimes depending upon the process you use this might not be an instant thing too so there's one type called solarization that is a chemical free process where basically you're putting down clear plastic and you're creating a super hot greenhouse for all those plants on your soil it's going to kill them but it takes a couple months okay so know the process you're going to do first and plan it appropriately okay so really from there it's pretty um, pretty clear cut. It's not smooth sailing, but it's clear. And basically we've got our design in place, right? We know our design style. We know what plants that we're getting. Um, I would also suggest trying to figure out what the best time to plant these plants would be. Generally speaking, fall is the best time, but really you can do it any time of year. If you provide the appropriate level of care that the plant needs at that specific time of year. So for example, if you do your landscaping in spring instead of fall and you plant your plants in the spring, just make sure they're appropriately uh, tended during those hot, tough drought days. Otherwise, you might be end up losing a significant investment of plants that you put in your landscape that, that die of drought because their root systems are not appropriately established yet uh, through healthy watering habits. Okay, so... Basically, then we go to the install process, okay? So install it, use a garden hose, extension cords, spray paint, whatever you need to do to mark out your spaces, figure out um, what you're doing, what you're planting where, and be super clear on it. Writing it down is very important, okay? Write it down, figure it out, do it on paper first, so that way you're not doing it the wrong way in the landscape because you can't really correct it once you install it, okay? It's a lot more work, trust me. Okay, after that, you're maintaining it, right? The cool thing about these meadow systems, once they're established, they're relatively easy to maintain. You're maybe going through there tending it every once in a while where, you know, you might have some for around us, for example, uh, Canada thistle is an invasive uh, that can pop up and it's pretty persistent once it pops up or goldenrod is a native plant that can kind of be a bully. So if we get Canada goldenrod, nothing against Canada here. It's just a coincidence, I promise. Okay. <laughs> um, so Canada goldenrod can be kind of a bully as well in the cult, more cultivated spaces. If you like it, just leave it. Okay. Especially if you're going for more of a naturalized look, Canada goldenrod is a beautiful pollinator magnet in the late season when there's few other plants in bloom and it's gorgeous but it does take over spaces. So just be prepared for that um, and, and make sure you're okay with it. But depending upon the plant, you may need to go in there, kind of, you know, yank a couple things out here and there. Um, I thank them for the ecosystem services they provide before doing so <laughs> and apologize for the, uh, you know, <laughs> having to pull them out for your aesthetic uh, interests instead. Um, all right. I digress. Right. Anyway, for maintenance, if you're, especially if you're in your first season, you want to make sure if it's too dry that you keep those plants consistently watered, uh, about once a week, maybe with a deep watering, just to make sure they can, they can do okay with that first, 
um, season. Of course, it depends upon the size of your installation, whether you can do this and um, the time of year as well. But in general, just give the plant what it needs because it's making a transition from a nursery to your landscape. Now, if you're planting from seed, you might not need to do this because those seeds they're in the space they need to be. They aren't going through transplant shock. They weren't babied in a nursery first before growing in a tougher landscape condition. So they're hardier plants from the beginning. Okay, so it really depends on your type of installation. But just maintain it. Uh, care for those plants when they're young. And when they're older, you pretty much need to do nothing except go in there and tend things. If you have um, new plants moving in that are undesired or things are getting a little unruly, that's it. And then of course, um, as far as the old growth, leave it over the winter. It provides beautiful, wonderful habitat of stem boring insects that overwinter in the stems of those plants. Uh, so if you're chopping it down, you're going to be losing those insects. Um, these are good insects too, guys. Um, and that includes, uh, same with, you know, all the stuff, uh, the litter on the ground too. You have tons of insects that overwinter in that leaf litter or plant litter. Um, and so just leaving it be until it starts to warm up in the spring. So kind of early springish, um, maybe late winter, but I try and just leave it until things are starting to peek through the soil. Um, so when you see new growth starting to come up, you're going to go through, cut that stuff down, leave it where it is. Okay. And then just let it go. Let it grow. Okay. So there's a couple, uh, maybe a month or so at the beginning of the year where it looks a little, you know, drab or unsightly, but whose landscape doesn't guys. Okay. If people are complaining about that, have them look at their own landscape. Okay. If you really need to do something special, consider putting a, you know, a, a border hedge around your beautiful meadow planting. So if you want something that's like a, a native plant, to do with that or a cultivar of a native plant, consider some of the juniper uh, or cedar uh, cultivars out there. You can plant some in, you know, in place of boxwoods and they'll make a nice low shrubby border, uh, and, you know, a formal parterre type square of, of border around your plants. It might help make it more appealing, more acceptable in the space that you live if that's an issue for you. Okay, guys, so really I kind of wanted to just rattle through the idea of planting a meadow uh, in your landscape, and it can be beautiful, and it can be amazing, it can be fun, it can be exciting. It's something that the kids love, all right? Kids love seeing bees and butterflies and, you know, pollinators in general, uh, moths. You know, it, it brings activity, vibrance, uh, and joy into a landscape, all right? So, I wanted to keep this simple today. I have a few links and resources for you. So if you're looking for a list of plants, if you live in the Midwest, I had a collaboration with uh, several low maintenance designers throughout Ohio to create a low maintenance plants list for the Midwest. So it's an awesome list. Um, it's a huge list, but you can go over to, I have a link for it in the show notes of Ohio maintenance, really Midwest low maintenance plants, um, all sorts of plants that you can select from, uh, to put in an installation like this. Uh, also, um, I have a shorter list, so I'll put that in the notes too. Um, so if you want the mega list, click on the mega list link. If you want the short list, click on the short list. Okay. Um, some links to how, how to get these plants. All right. So I'm not endorsed by these companies, but the Prairie Nursery out of Wisconsin has some awesome uh, plant resources. You can buy plants in trays. You can buy them by seed. Um, so go over to 
prairienursery.com. Um, I, I'll have the link in the show notes. I can't remember if it's the Prairie Nursery or Prairie Nursery. And then go to thepollination.com. Thepollination.com. Uh, links to both of these in the show notes. But thepollination.com is a younger business that they're partnered, I think, with a wholesale nursery. But they sell directly to consumers. So you can buy plugs, which are awesome a uh, wonderful way to inexpensively buy plants for a meadow installation. You'll quickly realize if you go to the nursery to buy enough plants that you need to to fill in the space in a meadow planting, you're going to be spending thousands of dollars even for a small space. So these are awesome ways to get started with much, much smaller plants that will adapt better to your landscape. They'll grow quickly and fill in the space much better, and it will save you tons of money in the long run. All right, guys, I'm going to wrap up there. So I hope you're having a wonderful summer. Go out, consider whether or not you're going to plant a meadow. I strongly suggest it. Thanks for tuning in. Make sure you live with passion and make tomorrow better than today. 